and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Julie Kenner's Deja Demon. The fourth, <laughs> the fourth book in the Adventures of a Demon Hunting Soccer Mom series. Whew. I know. It was it was an emotional roller coaster of oh, a book. Oh, this whole this this was like listening to it at work, trying to control my face and my expressions and trying to not yell out loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, ooh, so much, so much. But before we start, I do have one small bit of exciting Buffy news. Uh, this week, it was announced that starting in December, Boom Studios will be putting out what I'm guessing is a second Buffy title, The Last Slayer, Ooh. which picks up 30 years after the show's end and sees Buffy in her 50s still slaying. I'm, I'm kind of excited, especially yeah. if this if this is truly a return to the show universe. Yeah, yeah. No, and those, those covers that they... Yes. That they revealed are are awesome. Especially the Xander one with the his Xander eye patch. Yeah. Which is what leads me to believe we're returning to the show yeah. universe because Xander has his eye patch. Yeah. Oh, he looks so badass. He does. He is a delf in that one. I know, I know. 50-year-old Xander with that eye patch. Oof. Yes. Deja Demon. It was written, of course, by Julie Kenner, and it was published in July of 2008. Our synopsis, taken from the back of the book, is, it's easy to feel like hell when your life is overrun by teenagers, toddlers, (laughs) and terror. Just ask housewife and demon hunter Kate Connor. Between attending gala fundraisers for her husband's political campaign, training her teenage daughter to wield a crossbow and a stiletto, potty training a toddler, (laughs) and her increasingly complex personal life, Kate hardly has time to prepare for the impending chaos, (sighs) a neighborhood Easter party that has her buried in eggs. Keeping the local kitties in line will take all of Kate's skills as a mother and demon hunter just when she'll need them the most. An old enemy has descended upon San Diablo, along with a full-blown army of the undead and a powerful demonic ally. Once again, it's up to Kate to save the world. Good thing she can multitask. Oh, this this book puts her multitasking Four. abilities to the test. Whew, it so really, much. really does. Yeah, she this poor this poor woman has got so much going on in this book. So we pick up about two months after the last book. And we pick up in the middle of a pretty intense conversation between Kate and David, mostly about Allie. Because, you know, David slash Eric, I will go between calling him both things. Yeah. Is really, he wants to see Allie and, and he should see Allie. He it's his right as her father, but the fact that Stuart doesn't know anything makes this increasingly complicated, and Kate understands, but she needs a plausible reason to tell Stuart. And I'm just sitting here going, science club? Why don't you tell Stuart she's in a science club and that they have overnight trips? But I don't know, maybe yeah. that was that was just my suggestion. Yeah, yeah. Although, would he, would he believe that she was in science club? I don't, I mean, Allie, I mean, yes, Allie likes cheerleading and boys and all that like teenage girl stuff, but we've never seen any indication that Allie is like shallow and vapid. No, and I'm not saying that, but I'm like, is she the type of girl who would be in a extracurricular science club like it's it's not it's not necessarily that she isn't into the actual learning aspect but it's the believability you got to look at Stewart's point of view that's true that's true because Kate was surprised that she even knew who the chemistry teacher was yeah yeah so you know it still is a little shady when you look at like why is my 
why is my stepdaughter in a science club when she's never shown interest in science before? So it's it's really, it, again, it there really is no plausible deniability That's when it true. comes to it. So there's Kate's just backed in a corner. <clears throat> Eric thinks Kate should just tell Stuart the truth. And Kate thinks this is not the time because they're also on a hunt trying to locate a bartender that mysteriously survived a mugging the other night, Sammy Wilson. There's no sign of him. And so they pack it in. Frustration forces, yes, forces Kate to go to McDonald's for fries. Oh, gotta have fries. I I understand that frustration. Yes. As she's in the car eating, going home, she reflects on the situation. After that last battle we saw where Kate and them raised Eric once more with the Lazarus bones, (laughs) Eric left town and he went to Rome to talk to Forza. They agreed they were going to leave some things out, like the Lazarus bones, (laughs) as it may have very well damned their souls. Kate thought he'd be gone for two weeks. It turns out he was gone for almost three months. And he's still not back on Forza's payroll. Kate says she hated that he was gone that long, but she was also kind of relieved, as it gave her and Allie time to process and to think about what it means that he's back. Though Kate... Still isn't sure how it's all going to resolve itself. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it's really not. No, she's... Though I will admit, past this book, I don't know what happens. So, like... We are going to go on this ride together, Mary. We are, are going to go on the ride now from here till the end together. I'm very, yes. Especially with how this book ends. I'm very nervous. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Once, yeah, oof, yeah. <laughs> she gets home. She parks in the driveway. Even though Stuart has apparently fixed the garage door. Mm-hmm. But now, of course, there's stuff in there for the party. So Kate just still parks in the driveway. And she starts to head for the door when movement catches her eye. And it turns out it's just Cabot. Cabot, who is about to earn all the kitty treats because the demon she's been hunting appears behind her. As they fight, he mentions something about the sword of heaven and how Kate will never wield it. <laughs> Why does poor Kate always I end know. up with these, like, they... like, you have the holy grail in your, like, cupboard, and people, and Kate's just like, I just I just thought it was a nice coffee mug. Yeah, well, and in this case, she doesn't even have... She, I know, in this case, she doesn't even have it, and they're still coming after her. Yeah, yeah, no, there's so much, there's so much where she is coming in in the middle of the plot <laughs> just poor Kate <laughs> I know I know she's she, she's just she is just trying to be a mom be a good wife be a good hunter and now all these people are coming in and like you have the sword she's like I have a civil war sword in my husband's study but I doubt that that's the right sword I did think about that I'm like what if the civil war sword I will say, because you mentioned you thinking about that. I actually didn't think about that. So that's a good catch. <laughs> yeah. There were actually a couple of red herrings in this book. Yes, there were. Normally I'm like, oh, and I think I have it in my notes that I'm like, oh, they mentioned that that's going to be important. And the one that you think is going to be a really big thing just turns out to be nothing. Yeah. So there was, that was pretty good. There were a couple of really good red herrings in this book. I, I remembered the I remembered the the phrase for like that whole thing. It's it's called Chekhov's gun because the the playwright Chekhov put out there that if you mention in Act One you make a deal about there being mm-hmm. a gun by the end of the play that gun should come back around and be important. So there is a lot of that in the book, but then there's also Chekhov's red herring. Yes. Yes. Yep. So somewhere in this fight, Cabot like launches (laughs) onto the demon. And I'm just like, good Cabot. Good Cabot. All the kitty treats. He's a good cat. 
Kate's able to capture him and she's going to interrogate him when they run into what she thinks is a second demon holding Allie captive. Seeing Allie held prisoner, Kate's priorities immediately shift. She kills her demon and goes to help Allie. Only something weird happens. The demon holding her looks rather vacant. And when she goes to kill them, their eyeballs seem super squishy. <laughs> Not to mention they're in this head-to-toe ninja getup. The reasons for this become clear when the eye jab fails to kill the demon. It's not a demon. It's a zombie. It's a zombie. A real life animated corpse. Hence the disguise. So apparently zombies are even stronger than demons and can only be made by demons in a ritual that involves the desecration of a holy relic. So that's new and like totally different than anything we've ever encountered in zombie lore. Yeah. Because usually we're used to zombies being made by magic users, but no, not here. They have to be made by a demon. Yeah. It takes both of them, but Kate manages to finally pin the zombie to the ground by sticking the demon's knife into his chest. Of course, this just literally pins him to the ground, and, like, the whole rest of this scene is a visual (laughs) delight. Oh my god, I love it. Because Kate and Allie are talking about zombies and demons, all while Kate is holding the zombie's (laughs) hands down, so it can't pull the knife out. And she tries several times to get Allie to go inside and go to bed, but Allie keeps assuring her that she can handle everything. So, yeah, Kate lets her stay. Their conversation conversation continuing as they hack all the limbs off the zombie this is the this is the best mother-daughter bonding this really is the whole thing with the zombie is trying to get rid of it it's just like uh, it's it's so good there are so many scenes in this book that i'm like where is my television show because I know. visually they're just a delight it's like this book especially like has a lot of dark fantasy comedy moments Yes. Yes, it does. And and it's very, like, a lot of this, this book really does remind me of Buffy. Yes, especially, there's something that with Allie near the end of the book that I was like, oh, that's very Buffy. Yeah. But, um, but yes. No, just the whole thing, I'm like, I wish I could be, like, watching this, especially just the, like, holding the demon down, or holding the zombie down, trying to hack it up, all while having this heart-to-heart. I would also love to have been in in Julie's brain when she was writing this scene. Like, I can just imagine her sitting at her computer, just putting it out there and just laughing about it. Because this is one of those things where you're, when you're a writer, where you're just like, I love this. This is so good. This is so good. But then you're also like, are my readers going to enjoy this as much as I enjoyed writing it? And yes, we did. (laughs) Is this funny outside of my head? Yeah. Yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) We also learned in this conversation that the cabinet launch was actually (laughs) Ellie throwing the cat. (laughs) That was ingenious. I mean, that was brilliant. That was, there's, there's an old meme where it's, Cats are just tiny ninjas in fur coats, and it's a picture of a cat that literally is being thrown at a guy, and he's freaking <laughs> out. I'll have to send that to you, Mary, so you can post it on our. Yes, we're going to post that. Yeah, in honor of cabin. That is exactly how I imagine that scene going. And we also learn that a zombie can only die one of two ways: being completely incinerated, or when its maker dies. So clearly, the demon in the yard was not its maker. Oh no, that is surely a higher level demon hiding out somewhere because. That is how Kate's life works. (laughs) Of course. 
the more shit she has to do, the bigger the problem that's come to San Diablo. Oh, and Kate, it's it's just going to get worse from here. Oh, yeah, because this one seems pretty big as it involves a prophecy. As they hack up the demon, Kate asks Allie what she was doing outside, and Allie admits that she was waiting to see if she really went to go meet her dad. And if he was back, why didn't he call her? Kate assures her that her dad loves her very much, and his not calling her had nothing to do with her. But, ah! There's a zombie hand on oh. Allie, and she would like it off. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Ooh. Again, again, this, this, just the visual of the hand crawling up Allie's leg. And they're trying to, like, jerk it off. And then they end up, like, cutting the fingers off with pruning <laughs> shears. shears. Oh, Kate uh, gets it off, and they reflect more on the zombie, his master, and his maker. But they don't get far as the backlights, the backyard lights come up. <laughs> Stuart is awake. Oh, Stuart. Poor Stuart. Poor Stuart. I'm mad at Stuart at the end of this book. I yeah. mean, to be fair, I understand where he's coming from. Yes. But I'm still mad at him. Yes. But he comes around. He comes around. But, but yeah. Get there. But yes, I have, yes. I'm like, oh, Stuart. As Stuart calls out from the bedroom window, Kate and Allie quickly work to hide the demon's <laughs> body and the zombie parts. The demon, Kate stashes in some bushes while Allie starts tossing zombie bits <laughs> into Timmy's dino-shaped sandbox. Again, visually wonderful. Oh my god, this whole scene is so good. And they like conk heads trying to put the cover on. It's just... It's- Oh my god, it, it's such, it's like, it's an Abbott and Costello. It really is. Oh, it's, oh my god, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> Stuart comes outside and wants to know, what is Kate doing outside at 4 a.m.? <laughs> we want to know the same thing. <laughs> As he doesn't see Allie at first. She tells him that people in L.A. are already commuting to work. They don't live in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Stuart. She falters, trying to think up something, and eventually just telling him she needed some quiet. He's not buying it. Not entirely. And so Allie steps in to save her mom again, telling Stuart that she snuck out and that her mom was covering for her. See, there was a party at Zach's house, Zach being the son of some movie star who seems to be following in his dad's footsteps with his parties, ending up on Access Hollywood and the like. <laughs> she tells Stuart, Laura said Mindy could go, but mom wouldn't let her. All while Kate is very impressed by Allie's acting <laughs> skills. Yeah. And feeling a little guilty, not sure getting Allie into the habit of lying to Stuart is a good thing. Kate confirms Allie's story, saying she didn't like that there was going to be alcohol. So Allie decided to sneak out and go anyway? No, no, just to Mindy's to spend the night and hear about the party. She said Laura called Kate, and so Kate met Allie in the backyard, and they fought. The scream was that they saw a rat. No, not a rat, a coyote, because a rat <laughs> means exterminators, and Kate is not about that. Oh, no, no. Stuart reminds Allie that this is not the first time she snuck out, the last time she almost got sacrificed, and says she's grounded. Two weekends, and they'll discuss the third. Kate wants to intervene. Allie didn't actually do anything wrong, but Allie seems okay with it. Actually, Allie seems almost too okay with it, <laughs> which worries Kate, but... She'll deal with that later. We got a zombie to handle first. We got a zombie to handle. Allie heads inside, as do Kate and Stuart. Stuart saying he loves Allie too, but if he overstepped, no, no. If he ever oversteps, Kate will let him know. It's that time between night and morning where it seems too late to go to bed, <laughs> but too early to just be up. <laughs> Stuart has an idea of something they can do and starts to leave Kate upstairs. Kate, meanwhile, is obsessing over the bodies <laughs> and how to get rid of them. Uh, she does try to drop a few hints 
hints to Eddie when he opens the door to see what all the racket is. But as he seems to turn right back around, she guesses she'll deal with it in the morning. (laughs) And she does, or tries to. After some really good sex and a bit more sleep, she's up and moving about, calling Eric to tell him what happened and to see if he's all right. She gets them at his machine, not comforting. And it takes everything she has not to drive over. A second message begs him to call her immediately (laughs) upon receiving these messages. After that, she calls Father Corletti as all this talk of vengeance and old grudges means this could be a demon from her past. Again, she leaves a message. (sighs) Nobody is picking up today. Nobody is picking up this morning. She's got a lot on her plate and nobody is answering her. Then she's loading up plastic containers (laughs) originally meant to store Easter goodies with zombie parts. Oh, God. To take to the church and looking for the demon body because it's gone. No demon body. That's very stressful. She's... She just I put his dead body here. It should not have moved. The, oh, the poor Kate. Like this just starts a whole series of stress for this poor woman. Thinking about it, she rationalizes that Eddie must have gone down, back down and taken care of it. Because who else could have taken care of it? The question is, where did she put it? As the body seems to be neither in the pantry or the garage. Again, another visual delight. Kate just expecting a zombie, (laughs) or not a zombie, expecting the demon to be anywhere like she opens a door. Yeah. And it just falls out. Yeah, but it's not. No. (laughs) She can't worry about that, though, as Timmy wants breakfast. Well, Timmy wants the candy he spies in the freezer. Oh, we've all been there. He'll settle for cereal. Tiger cereal, no milk. Allie is the next one down, and Kate, just to check, asks if she took care of the mess. Ew. (laughs) Wait, does that mean they're missing? Just the demon. The zombie is tucked away. Good, good. Still, Allie knows something else is wrong. What is it? Kate at first wants to say nothing, but then admits... It's Eric. She called him twice and she's gotten no answer. Allie wants to know if she thinks their visitor might have had a friend. No, no, she's sure he didn't. She just, she wants to go. Check, bring him up to speed. Okay, so what should Allie tell Stuart? What? What should Allie tell Stuart? Allie keeps asking her mom what she should say, all while getting out her mom's new laptop. Really, Allie's new laptop, mm-hmm. as Kate almost never uses it except for email. Mm-hmm. Kate tells her milk run and is about to leave when Allie says her dad replied via email. He's safe and gone to LA for a few days. LA, but he just got back. However, Kate doesn't say anything about that, just says she's glad to know he's safe and that they are free to concentrate on the missing demon. Right after she gives Allie a kiss for Eric, like he said in his email. Aww. Aww. So cute. So where does Kate think the demon went? (laughs) Her money is still on Eddie. On Eddie for what? Stuart enters the kitchen wanting to know what Kate's talking about. Uh, the fair. Kate's money is on Eddie saying something off color at the fair and getting all the other moms mad at her. Oh, Stuart thought it was about where the body was buried. What? (laughs) Well, you know, everyone is so somber and secretive. He thought murder must be involved. (laughs) Which is, of course, when Eddie enters all always is. (laughs) Oh, Eddie. A bit more conversation follows. Eddie alluding to demon hunting as Kate tries to cover and Allie keeps interjecting things like waffles. (laughs) (laughs) Then Stuart changes the subject to everyone's plans for the day while he's at work. Well... Kate says Mindy and Laura are coming over to stuff the Easter eggs for the day. Does he want some coffee to go? She begins making it, and after getting a sloppy kiss from Timmy, Stuart comes over to kiss her and retrieve the mug, which, ew, Allie reminds them there are kids present. <laughs> so she says they'll take it to the other room, and as she wa- as she walks Stuart to the door. Hold on, is, is she trying to get rid of him? 
No, of course not. She's just used to his hurrying out the door. Yeah, but today he doesn't have to, remember? So why not, since Allie is on house arrest and can babysit, (laughs) they sneak off to a movie before the others come over. Just the two of them holding hands in the dark. Kate would love to really, but stuff. Things. There's Things. just so much to do. Whew. Can they rain check? All right. But then let him show her one other thing. A house. Something to flip. Like they've always <clears throat> talked about. It will be quick. He promises. 30 minutes. And he'll even let her pick the movie later. Fine. By house, Stuart clearly means mansion. I love this house. I love this house. As he and Kate head over to the Great Water Mansion, a beautiful but slowly decaying property built in the 20s. Kate thought Stuart was going to start small. <laughs> and so did he. But the price of this place was right and the profit margin, well, it was phenomenal. Oof. Though it does sound like Stuart wouldn't mind having the place for themselves. And honestly, neither would Kate. Impractical as it may be, she says there's an old world charm that reminds her of growing up in Europe. Not to mention a house that size would provide ample room for her and Allie to train. As they're walking around, we get to know a tiny bit about the family that built it, that they were Hollywood people, and that one of them was very into the occult. That seems like a good tidbit to take away for later. Yeah, yeah. Also, there's so many great places that you can hide bodies in this. (laughs) Seriously. And the graveyard's right there. And the graveyard is right there. Probably something else we should remember. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Also, while they're there, Father Corletti calls, following up on the message Kate left him earlier. She steps away and asks how bad it is. Who's after her? And what is the sort of heaven? Well, since this is Kate's life, it's bad. <laughs> a bad and bad. A higher archdemon known as the Destroyer that she and Eric took out in their teenage years and who killed Kate's stormmate, Cammy. So we get actually our first true flashback. I love this flashback. I love that we got a flashback. And I'm hoping that in the next book, we'll get more of them because I believe the next book is when they go to Rome. Yes. So I'm really hoping for some flashbacks there. But yes, we get our first flashback as Father Corletti must step away for a moment. And so Kate reflects on the night they went to seek out a baton. She was 15, paired with Eric, and they were sent deep into the catacombs with five other teams of two hunters. So there were 12 altogether. Yes. There were 10 others. As their team split up, she and Eric ended up being cornered by a bunch of lesser demons. A dead end if they were unable to open the hidden door at the end of the wall. Part of the wall was marked by the demon's seal. And so they try a sacrificial bloodletting because most of the time with stuff like seals, you have to do the whole blood thing. Yeah. It's a thing. Kate slices open her palm and puts her hand on the door. Nothing. Then they try Eric and surprise, surprise, his blood opens the door. Oh. This also seems like something we should file away for later. Probably. Especially as Father Corletti says to Kate in this conversation that the answer to all of this is locked away in Kate's memories. Mm-hmm. It's something that makes her shiver a bit as she stares out the window of the mansion. The other side of the wall, it turns out, was a chamber, complete with chains, a pit, all kinds of tapestries, including one depicting the downfall of even the garden. Why can't they just have, like, pastels and... It's because it's not the demon aesthetic. I know, but I would love to have a pastel goth demon aesthetic. I mean, I too would love a pastel goth demon aesthetic, but the demons just, they don't seem about it. I know, I know. Like it would be much, it would be much more unexpected if you walk into a bright and cheery room and then there's a demon. That is true. It would catch people off guard. Yeah, they really need to get on that. I know, I know. Demons, gotta get, gotta amp your game here. Yeah, too, too, just too much 
going into the stereotype. Mm-hmm. That tapestry gets torn and behind is Cammy, naked and tied to a stake. The other hunters dead at her feet. She tells them to run, but then the demon appears, slicing her throat. Kate and Eric act on instinct, killing him, but the demon just takes Cammy's body. And what follows is... It's kind of horrific. It is awful. Yeah. This is like straight out of a horror movie. Yeah, no, she really, in this book, she really balanced like going from the dark comedy of the beginning to just the dark horror of this part. The demon enters Cammy's body, using her to taunt Kate to draw her near. Kate and Eric get separated, Eric fighting a horde of lesser demons as Kate is drawn toward the point of sacrifice. Seems the demon needs three Vestal virgins, and since the temples are all gone, well, Kate and her female hunter friends will have to do. Because the whole idea behind the Vestal virgin is... I I think the whole Vestal part was they were like secret keepers. Yeah, yeah. And so hunters, since hunters have to keep their identity a secret and are holy and pure, being that they're very Catholic and so aren't like shagging up in their dorms. No. Um, they work as the sacrificial virgins. Yep. And it's close. Kate is like bound, gagged via the stone, which is a relic she and Eric thought they dropped while running. And I guess it's the relic that the demon wants to desecrate for this holy ritual. Wheeled symbols are being painted on her forehead in blood. She's basically made her peace with dying. Yes. When Bam! Eric tosses the knife and kills the demon, who by that time has left Cammy's body and has shown his true form. He starts to escape the demons and asks Kate if she trusts him. Of course. In his hand is a strange dust, and he blows it into the fire, killing everything. (laughs) Every demon around them. So, of course... Now they're trapped in this, like, ring of fire. (laughs) Yes. Or are they? Eric asks Kate once again if Kate trusts him and offers his hand. They need to run and fast. No stopping. No looking back. I love what Kate says about that moment. It breaks my heart. But I love it because in that moment, she says she knew then she would follow Eric anywhere, even through the fires of hell. Yep. Oh, Kate. I love Kate. I love Kate and Eric so much. I know. I know. This book was very hard for me. It was so difficult. Again, because, oh, Stuart, it's so good. He is so good. Yeah. Father Corletti comes back on and apologizes, saying he's been dealing with a lot. Kate gets it and asks if he's sure it's a bad end. Positive, the only way he would be more sure is if he heard it from the demon himself. The key was the messenger demon's use of the phrase cardinal fire, for that is what Eric used that day in the chamber, given to them by Wilson without Forza's express permission. (laughs) Made from the bones of an unfairly burned heretic, I think that's right, it creates a fire that destroys anything demonic, so it can only be a bad end. The demon from the chamber that wants her but why now why 20 years later they hold a grudge remember we <laughs> we talked yeah we did we talked about this we talked about this we talked about this in the last book they hold a grudge well i think i don't think she doubts the grudge i think she's wondering more why he waited 20 years yeah yeah father corletti is unsure perhaps now is just when he found his way back from the demon realm in the sort of heaven no one is even sure that it exists many treat it like a fairy tale as it has the power to strike down a specific demon a.k.a. Abaddon, mm-hmm. and his kith and kit, basically his entire inner circle. But it must be wielded by the sword keeper, one whose familiar blood was there when the sword was forged. So Abaddon thinks the sword keeper is her? Why? <laughs> Father Corletti does not know, but he wants Kate to be careful. This is dangerous, perhaps even more dangerous than the battles of the previous months, and he does not wish to lose her. <sighs> She doesn't want to lose him either. Getting off the phone, she goes to find Stuart and finds a demon. 
Oh. Because of course she does. Of course. This is her life. They fight. Stuart hears the noise. The demon takes that as his cue to flee and runs out the door, knocking into Stuart while Kate wants to pursue, but she can't. Not with Stuart right there. It looks like he too wants to pursue. So Kate says, no, no, it was, he was a squatter, a drugged up squatter, but a squatter. And that's when Stuart notices her finger, which is broken. <laughs> Poor Kate. I know. I mean, that was a really good, that was a really good cover. That was a really good, that was yeah. a really good cover. Because at the beginning, at the beginning, when they get into the house, they notice that the lock, that gets not locked up. Yeah. So, so clearly someone's been tromping through there. Yeah. So they, they, you know, they were thinking that there could be people squatting there. So it, it's a good cover story. It worked really well. Yeah. Her finger, did did he hurt her? No, no. She leaned on something and, and her hand went through it. Well, then they need to get to an ER. Kate sighs. She has no time for the ER. Oh, she's got too much shit to do. But as she can't say that, she gives in. She'll just find some way to work it into her schedule. After a trip to the ER, Stuart drops Kate and her Vicodin <laughs> back at the house as he heads to the office and Eddie denies moving the body. He's sure? Yes, he's sure. Is she deaf? <laughs> okay, but if he didn't move it and she didn't move it, where's their dead demon? Cue to me singing a dead a demon, demon song. song. Oh my God. Let's hope that element doesn't come back later. Uh, yeah. Stuart, yeah, no. Kate is pretty sure if Stuart found a body in the backyard, he'd say something. Eddie agrees. He would probably call the police immediately. Yeah, Kate has to agree with that. <laughs> okay, well then maybe it was David. No, Kate is fairly certain that if Eric had been hiding in the bushes, that he would have helped and not just stood there. Watching them hack up a zombie. Well, Ali says maybe he saw her and didn't want to deal. Maybe the whole reason he's gone to LA is to look for apartments because he's going to move. Aw, Ali. Kate tells her that her imagination is running wild. Yeah. And that she will get to see her dad soon. It's just, it's complicated. It's so complicated. Like, it is just so complicated. Because of Stuart not knowing? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. So then Allie's being punished because Kate is keeping secrets. Hey, Allie. Maybe Stuart was right to ground her. Yeah. Allie's being a little unfair. I mean, I get why she's being unfair, but it's not an easy thing to say, hey, Stuart, I hunt demons for a living. Oh, and you know my dead ex-husband? He's not so dead. He's actually in the body of the chemistry teacher, the very attractive chemistry teacher at Allie's school. And I am trying to find a way to get Allie to be able to see her dead father who is in this new body. Yeah, that's a lot. It is. It's just, there is so much. And I can't, like, yes, Kate has got to tell Stuart. And unfortunately, what happens is what always happens. You put it off and they find out in the worst way possible. Yes. But oh my God. Just, it's just, there is no good way for her to do this. No, absolutely not. And there's no guarantee that he'll even believe her. Yeah. So- like we'll see later on in the in the book when he does believe her what happens what happens like it it takes something it would have taken something huge mm -hmm. for it to for her to him to like and if if the demon would have done if this demon that attacked her at the house would have done something demonic and crazy like it would have been a good moment but we wouldn't yeah. have the drama Allie apologizes and says, maybe the demon corpse turned into a zombie. That causes Eddie to scoff as zombies are rare. They really only come out when something big is brewing, like apocalypse level, end of days. 
But Kate tells Eddie that she has a zombie inside some Tupperware in the shed. And he's like, oh, well, th- those are only real zombies, you know, not not fake ones. So what's the difference between a real zombie and a fake zombie? Kate says, let her get Timmy settled with some TV and they'll tell her. Correction. Kate will tell her Eddie is late to the library and needs to get his flirt on with Tammy. But since Kate is injured... If she needs him, call and he'll come. Just, he's not moving bodies. Fine. She gets Timmy in front of Curious George, his latest obsession, and sits down with Allie. And just as Laura arrives with all the things. Oh, Laura. Turns out Big Lots was having a 75% off sale. This is another part that like deeply reminded me of us. With the, I know. Like, but I have stuff. But it was 75% off. Oh, like, there, look, I. why are we not getting more stuff when we can get more stuff? Exactly. Not to mention that if we lived closer, we would totally help each other with stuff like this and demon hunting. Oh, my God. Oh, that like Laura and Kate are would one are 100% how we would be if demons existed, even existed. And we live right next door to each other. I mean, if you want, the house next door to my in-laws is going to be up for sale. I know. The house three up the street from us is for sale. I would buy that one first because the houses down there are so much better than... See, yeah, you just need to move here. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Laura hauls everything in and starts demonstrating how cute the baskets will look as Kate fills her in about her injury, lamenting all she has to do. Well, that is why she has a team, so she can delegate. Right? Like she did to Laura, mostly because Laura volunteered, needing something to keep her mind off the divorce countdown, but still. And like she's doing with the rest of the team, who is coming over on Monday. Wait, what? That's in three days. When is she supposed to clean the house? (laughs) Actually, it's in two days it's saturday that is even worse laura (laughs) you're not making it better laura i feel kate i deeply here as i am i've been telling froggy about this off off camera of course um my high school reunion is next weekend and so my high school best friend is coming to stay with us for the weekend and i have been like i only have like a week to clean my house and running around every so i deeply i feel kate in this moment i was thinking about you at this moment (laughs) i really was because just how you were freaking out about people coming from out of town (laughs) Allie tells laura that her mom is just afraid the committee will be turned into zombies (laughs) what zombies (laughs) kate says it has nothing to do with the fear of people becoming zombified and more (laughs) with the fear of 10 women in her kitchen i would be more afraid of the 10 women in my kitchen than a zombie yeah pretty much uh, Laura would like to go back to the zombies because, <laughs> you know, zombies. <laughs> Before they continue, Allie asks where Mindy is, as she doesn't know. And Laura said her dad called, but she'll be in real soon. Allie says good, and Kate can't tell if it's because Mindy is coming or because she's been delayed. And that worries Kate, as she doesn't want her secrets, secrets Allie is now keeping, to be the reason the two girls' friendship ends up being pulled apart. Also, Allie wants to know if Laura saw a body on her way over. <laughs> no. no. Should she have? <laughs> well, they're missing one. <laughs> of course they are. I love Laura coming in in this scene. Oh. She says, no body. Not in her flower beds, at least. Oh, Allie doesn't think it would be in the flower beds. More knocking on the front door. Kate explains Allie thinks the demon was made into a zombie. And Laura says in any other house, she'd think Allie had a great imagination. But since it's Kate's house, <laughs> opening the container from the ship, <laughs> Laura finds the body parts. Oh. oh, Something that causes her to leap from her chair. Why are there zombie parts in the Tupperware? Oh, God, Is she using them for the party? 
Oh, no, she needed the container. The party stuff is in a lawn bag. Right. Oh, Laura. But also this this part confirms because we weren't sure in the last book that Mindy does not know. Yes. Yes. This confirms that that Allie has not yet been able to tell Mindy. Yeah. And it makes sense. Oh, uh, we're going to uh, we'll talk about that in the next paragraph. Oh, okay. It cool. makes sense why. Yeah. But it does. It kind of sucks for Allie. Yeah. Timmy comes in and seeing the fingers decides yes. they're toys. Oh. And so steals one running around with it. And again, just it's one of those it's sequences so you really wish you could just see on screen. And, and later, like later during the dinner party, too. Yes. Because Laura is grossed out. The cat is hissing. Timmy is dancing around with a demon finger. Oh. Ellie's chasing him and and Kate just doesn't know whether she should stop it or film it. Yeah. God. Allie eventually gets the finger back from her brother and replaces it to the container. Can they please get to real versus fake zombies now? You know, before Mindy shows up? Unless Laura's changed her mind. For a moment, it looks like Laura might say yes. But no. Not yet. Mindy's got too much going on with the divorce. Yeah. Demons are better than divorce. Laura agrees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. She wishes Mindy wasn't going through this either, but unfortunately, she is. Anyway, zombies. Well, first, candy. And Timmy, who seems to have a sort of radar for when candy (laughs) is being open, and so appears wanting some. It's a negotiation, but soon he's sent off with five M&Ms after pouting, mostly so Kate can finish her tale. I, I like I like the scene with Timmy, like where she's where they're they're bargaining for, for how many candy. for how many he can have. It, Timmy Timmy adds some much needed levity to there's, the whole thing. There's so much. There's so many good Timmy parts. Is he? I, and there's some bad Timmy parts. There are some bad Timmy parts. Yeah, I love Timmy so much. A real zombie is basically what it says on the box. <laughs> An animated dead body controlled by their master. Only, unlike the movies, they don't eat brains. They don't eat anything. They have no needs or wants, no purpose but to do as they're told. Fake zombies are a demon in a decaying body. See, normally a demon enters as the soul exits. That's their portal, the way to sneak in and pretend to be human. Miss that, and they're waiting for the body to decay. Only once the body starts decaying, it's a free-for-all. However, that makes it a little hard to blend in and carry out any world-ending plans. So most demons forego that option. Mindy arrives and she and Allie go upstairs. Allie making her mom promise to fill her in if anything exciting happens. (laughs) Exciting like what? Allie tells Mindy that her mom and Stuart are arguing about a pool. Well, now Kate wants a pool. They can fill it with holy water and... Bam! Demon trap! That is that is the perfect idea. That is such a great idea. As the girls disappear, Laura wonders why Kate didn't tell Allie the demon from the yard couldn't be a zombie. Ooh, good catch, Laura. Someone gets the good student award. <laughs> With the first demon banished and the body not yet decayed, a demon couldn't have inhabited it. So something else had to have happened. (laughs) Kate said she didn't want her to worry anymore, especially as she literally has no clue where it went. (laughs) And there's more she hasn't told Allie about the sword and a bat in and the prophecy. Laura for a moment says it sounds like Kate's people in Rome have it all figured out. Quite the opposite. No one can find anything on the prophecy and some doubt the sword exists. But if anyone can find that stuff, it's Laura. I mean, could the Vatican locate vintage Chanel sunglasses on sale half a world away? <laughs> no, but Laura can. Speaking of the church, though, she should probably get this zombie to the church before Stuart decides to surprise her by coming home for lunch. Ugh. He's been around a lot lately. Laura says that he could be worried about these random attacks on Kate in the house, or maybe it's guilt for being gone so much. 
Or maybe he's noticed she's out a lot too. Either way, he's been super attentive and Kate feels weird complaining about that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's he shows up at the most inopportune times these days. He really does. Yeah, and it's gonna get worse. Kate goes to leave when Eddie stops her and Laura. There's someone across the street. Shady bastard. He's been there a while. Long enough that Eddie went to the library and back and he's still there. So what should they do? Easy. Kill him. <laughs> Kate decides to take a less dramatic route. <laughs> and so, you know, goes to ask him. <laughs> but Betty, I don't know. Kill him. Like, what else are we going to do? Uh, talk to him? But not without spraying holy water on her hands <laughs> and keeping the knife in her purse close. She catches up with him and shakes his hand, thankfully without the sizzle and pop of a demon being burned by holy water. <laughs> I still like when they were in, in the one book when they ran up to the kid. And- <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> my mom just cares about hydration. I already did that, mom. <laughs> Oh my god. I just everything about these books is a delight except when they're like wrenching my heart into pieces. I know. Like I said, come on this ride you said. It'll be fun you said. And it is fun in it, the crying over fictional characters kind yeah, of way. So much. He says he was in the neighborhood passing out flyers for the carnival on the boardwalk and Kate notices that his accent is vaguely Eastern European. <laughs> if he was passing out flyers, why then was he just in front of her house eating his lunch? <laughs> she takes the flyer and before she can she can say too much else he's leaving telling her to come by she's unsure but he just repeats she will come <laughs> kate then heads back into the house and says weird but <laughs> not a demon anything she's naive so we're gonna find out what his deal is in a little bit yes and i'm kind of sad they don't have an opportunity to talk about that with eddie at least in this book because I can't believe Eddie hasn't run into it. Like he was a demon hunter for like 50 some odd years. So he hasn't run into a situation like this before. The other thing, the other thing that, that is interesting is because they, in when, when Kate finds out about quote unquote David before, you know, she finds out that he is Eric, the whole thing about demon hunters who aren't working for Forza are rogues. But you find out with this book that there's other groups of people. So it's a very interesting thing, like being the Catholic Church, like they're the only ones that they think they're they're the only legitimate ones doing it. But you have all these other cultures and all these other groups that. So that's the other thing that I find very interesting and something like I'm hoping we learn more of in later books. And if not, maybe we can ask Julie about when we talk to her, hopefully eventually. Eventually. Because you have Forza. And then rogue demon hunters seem to be like solitary hunters. Yeah. But then you have these organizations that I'm not even sure if they're hunters, but they're there to assist, almost like the Magi. Right, right. They're there to assist. And so like, I want to know how all that interlaces. Yeah. And so I'm really hoping we see more of that in the books as we go on, especially as like, literally everything is going to hell at the end of this book. So I feel like going forward, we're going to need to call in all our allies. Yeah. And I feel like, and it's also interesting with like with Kate, like her worldview beyond Forza is being expanded. Yes. You know, because she still, even even decades later, still has this insular mindset that you can't trust anybody except Forza. And we're learning we can't even trust Forza. We can't even trust Forza, yeah. Laura and Kate head to the church, talking in the car of the Lazarus Bones. If demons can make zombies, then why did Goramesh even bother with the Lazarus Bones? 
because the Lazarus bones return the body to its original state. So he could have a massive amount of bodies and have them all blend in. Right, right. Makes sense. Only now Laura's kind of creeped out about how well demons blend in. What if one was her waiter or her doctor? (laughs) Her doctor that she's dating? At the church, Father Ben is extremely busy as he preps for (laughs) Palm Sunday. The bishop's there. They fill him in on what he knows. And and Kate says he may want to go through her old Forza reports, that it's the best chance they have of locating something. He really doesn't know if he'll have time for that. But Laura says she can help. Kate's a bit wary of that. There's some stuff in those reports that Laura is sure nothing can shock her. (laughs) Kate's not. No. (laughs) Father Ben goes to the port and they say, wait, the zombie. They need him to, they need to take him around back. What? Father Ben isn't sure that's a good idea. What if the pieces get loose? (laughs) No, no. The best bet is to take them to David and have him work his chemical magic. Okay. There we go. Yes, yes, it's not the trash incinerator, though I'm a bit sad about that. I know, I know. He's dissolving the bottle bodies chemically, which is just so very serial killer of him. I know, I know, but but just the way that they that they phrased it in the last book about him having other disposal methods. Yeah, no, I just assumed he was throwing them in the trash incinerator. Yeah, yeah, I figured it was something chemistry related, but that was such a better image of him just throwing it down the But because like, it's just funny because chemically would be the obvious answer. Yeah. But for humorous reasons, the image of him just putting the bodies down the trash chute into the incinerator was a lot funnier. Uh, Eric's in LA. Father Ben says he'll be back this afternoon. Now Kate is really curious as to why Eric was in LA. They head back, calling him on the way, but still they get voicemail. When they arrive home, they are bombarded by three kids desperate to go to the carnival, even if Timmy doesn't know what a carnival is. You know, I think in, in the one episode, like I remember I mentioned before about the old school Oh, yeah, because we were talking about Julie Newmar. And this, yeah. again, reminds me of that scene where he's trying to get rid of the bomb. Yes. Like, they're, trying to get, they're trying to get rid of this body and... They can't do they it. They can't do it. There's just nowhere that they can put it. Kate reminds Allie she's grounded. And Allie says she knows, but this is a carnival. She didn't know there was going to be a carnival. <laughs> Mindy begs, too. It won't be any fun without Allie. Kate says maybe. She needs to talk to Stuart. And she hasn't even put her purse down. And she needs to get David on the phone. And yes, bring him along. It would be fun to see Mr. Long again. Speaking of which, he calls and Kate launches right into the question of, are you back? Something that causes Eric to laugh. Isn't she the one who keeps reminding him they're not married anymore? (laughs) Well, yes, but she needs him. And what's up? Was there an attack? No, no attack. Everything's fine. She just has stuff she needs him to dispose of. A body? Not exactly. She can't say more? Not really. Given Allie and Mindy running around. Ah, he's got it. Yep. Well, he'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow? Father Ben said today. Yeah, he's sorry. Something came up, but he'll be back tomorrow. He promises. Early. Meanwhile, Allie is jumping and yelling about the carnival, and though Kate tries to put off asking Eric, he hears and says he's game. They can go together or separate, and she can run into him. And hey, he can take the demon tub from her there. (laughs) Is he sure? Yes, he'd love to go. He wants to go. And he is desperate to see his daughter. All right, then. They'll meet at the carnival at one. As they hang up, an unspoken I love you hangs between them and just... Poor Kate. Poor Kate. That night, Kate and Stuart go out for a little date night of dinner and a movie. 
something Kate thought would mean the burger place by the beach and a movie, but oh no. Stuart wanted to take her out to Everald's. Ooh, fancy. The fanciest place in San Diablo. And furthermore, he wants to order champagne. Kate hardly thinks she's dressed for champagne, but he is there to spoil her, especially as he feels... But Kate presses and Stuart just says, they've both been so busy lately and he feels something is off even if he doesn't know what it is. Aw, Stuart. Of course, as they're talking, Kate has eyes on a few people in the restaurant, a woman in red who looks none too interested in her companion for the evening, and an older woman where the waiter is certainly acting like she has a case of bad breath. (laughs) Is the older woman a demon or could it be that Kate is paranoid? Demon seems to be winning out, especially as she comes over and fixes Kate with a stare and you before heading to the bathroom. Kate follows telling Stuart she's going to try to figure out where she knows her from. In the bathroom, she corners her, demanding to know about the sword, and sprayed her with holy water. (laughs) Only to find out she's Imogene from the library. Kate, you just need to stop assaulting people with holy water. I know. I understand why you assault people with holy water. Yeah, but you're going to get a reputation. Eddie told her Kate was weird, but this is a whole other (laughs) level. Eddie, Eddie, you have no right to talk about people being weird. That's right. Like, especially because you know what Kate's weirdness is about. Disturbed and shaking, she exits. Well, now Kate feels bad and wants to give her a minute to get back to her table and settle before she comes out. So she takes a moment, checks her makeup, and steals one of the little mini mascaras from the bathroom. Because, of course, this place is the kind of place that has all sorts of mini toiletries. I, too, would shove some of that stuff in my purse. I was going to say, you'd be loading up your purse. I'd be, like, just sliding it in. While she's doing that, the lady in red comes in. Of course, she is a demon and tells Kate she will never wield the sword. Kate goes to attack her when she calls for a zombie that was waiting outside. Is she kidding right now? <laughs> More zombies. And in the bathroom of a fancy restaurant. While she's on a date with her husband. Trying to figure out how to deal with a dead demon in the bathroom is going to be bad enough. But a zombie on top of it? She does manage to down the demon in a stall, making sure to wrap her hands in order to avoid fingerprints, which is so very smart. But the demon... Well, it's blinded and just standing in the middle of the bathroom. Maybe if she can get it out the window. (laughs) Thankfully, help arrives in the form of the man she talked to earlier. His name is Dakar and he is there to help. She must be able to wield the sword. She is the one who can save them all. He tells her to go and says he will deal with the zombie and the demon, which is good because Stuart is looking for her. Poor Kate. She comes out and he says, what happened? Imogene stormed from the bathroom and he expected her to follow. Counseling. There was a girl, a pregnant girl in the bathroom. She was afraid to tell her parents and that's why the door was barricaded. They were talking her down. Is she okay? Yeah. Yeah, Kate thinks she is, or she will be. She's sorry about the movie. They're going to miss it now. Not if they leave. Stuart says it's up to her. They can stay and eat or leave and watch the movie. She says leave. He can pay the check and while she goes to get their car. Stuart seems surprised, but okay. And hey, a dinner of popcorn and soda is just fine with him, as long as he's with her. Aww. He hopes she doesn't really want to see this movie because he has plans. <sighs> Of course oh. he does. Oh, yes. Kate is just fine with that. He's such a he's such a straight man. He really is, but he is adorable. What he is. like have like the teenage date night with his wife. He you know what? He reminds me of Mr. Frog in some ways. I can see that. Yeah. Like he just cause 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 Mr. Frog does a lot of the cute stuff too sometimes. And then he's just like, let's go make out in the back of a movie theater. Mass the next morning is a bit of a disaster. (laughs) As apparently during Holy Week, 
the church's nursery is closed. Yeah, I'm with Kate. That makes no, makes no sense. No sense. More people go to church during Holy Week and, and yeah. those on the holidays than they normally do. So why are we subjecting everybody to the children? So Timmy is sitting with them in a mess. <laughs> Something he's not about and so keeps acting out as he is super bored. Uh, you know what, Timmy? I am right there with you. And of course, Stuart and Allie telling him, shh. 45,000 times isn't really helping. So Kate is very grateful when Mass is over and she can usher him out behind Stuart. They stop for a moment to talk to the bishop and Timmy says he wants to go to the park, by which they mean a place at near the church. Something that has been out of commission for a while, but is at least partially open again. Hmm. The rest is blocked off due to an archaeological dig, some items of which are being given to the museum. Again, sounds like something we should remember. I wonder if this random thing is going to come back. As is the conversation with Dolores, only not because this was our red herring and I was very upset by that. Yes. Who asked Kate to help with the St. Maidhog Festival. And is that how you pronounce it? What was it? M-A-E-D-H-O-G. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember how it's they It's an Irish one. Yeah. It, it means it's pronounced nothing like it's spelled. Yeah, because I did, I, I listened to the audiobook, so. Oh, that's right. So you would have had the pronunciation. So I had the pronunciation, but again- Things don't sound, aren't pronounced the way that they're spelled in. Yeah. So I have no idea how to pronounce this, but there, there's a there's a feast day of a saint coming up and there's a festival. And Kate doesn't remember them ever celebrating this before, but sure, what does Dolores need her to do? Nothing special, just invitations, refreshments. Okay, but why? As she said, they've never done this before. Oh, it's because of Father Ben. He is the speaker. This saint was one of his ancestors. So Father Ben has a holy ancestor. Yeah. And so like, literally, I thought this was, I, yeah, yeah. I this thought was this- it. This was going to come back. Yeah. No, this was just a spectacular red hairy. No, I, I definitely thought that something about him having a holy ancestor was going to was going to be important later on. Because I thought, because I I will admit, of all the books I had read previously, this is the book, and even though it was the last one I read, I remembered almost next to nothing about this book. Mm-hmm. Except for the end. Yeah. Because I do, re- I did remember what happened with Stuart at the end. But I, so I kept expecting them to pull kind of what they pulled, but differently, where you were going to find out Father Ben was the one who had to wield the sword. Right, right. Because yeah. he has a holy, holy ancestor. ancestor. Yeah. But no, no. Julie just so spectacularly threw us all off. I know. And going to make us mad later on. Since we're talking about Ben, going to be so mad. Oh, Oh, my heart. I know. Stuart heads to the office and Kate and Allie and Timmy head home. Stuart doesn't know about the carnival and thinks they and Allie are staying home, which was the whole reason Allie couldn't just leave church and ride with Eric, as she is still grounded. Uh, this this did make me mad. That she didn't tell Stuart? That she didn't tell Stuart. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, we, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna let her do this thing because I want to take Timmy. Because Timmy, you know, but yeah, it could have, oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, she could have told Stuart because she could have like, yeah, she could have said they were going as a family. You know, Allie's not going with her friend. She's going to stay with me and Timmy the whole time. Mm -hmm. And at least it wouldn't have seemed weird for her to be there. Yeah. So she's like, she's not going to meet up with her friends. She is going to be hanging out with Timmy. It's just going to be a family thing. Yeah. Laura thinks Kate should have said something to him instead of just hiding the fact Allie's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Kate knows. And she almost told him last night at the restaurant. It's just making out like teenagers. <laughs> what? Apparently she left that part out when talking to Laura earlier. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Kate describes how Stuart has been very attentive lately. Yeah, because he's been getting a vibe. 
What? A vibe. Laura still thinks it has to do with Eric being back, and Kate thinks that's silly. No, I'm with Laura. (laughs) You're always with Laura. I am with Laura. Still, Laura says she needs to tell him. She will. Soon. Wednesday. She will tell him Wednesday. As Monday, he has a thing, and then he's off to Sacramento. Tuesday night, he's back, but there's a dinner party. So Wednesday, come hell or high water, she will tell him Wednesday. Laura's money's on hell. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Laura's not wrong. Arriving at the carnival gates, Laura convinces Kate that buying the girls the all-inclusive wristband is the way to go. And as Laura knows bargains, Kate doesn't argue. Yes. They send the girls on their way, promising to call Allie the moment they find David and walk about with Timmy, searching for David and or a cold drink. While they don't find him, they do find wine coolers and enjoy those until Timmy wakes from his nap, declaring Nemo. I am jealous of wine coolers at this fair. Right? We need to find a fair with wine coolers. It is such a California thing. Like, yeah, it is. I would like some wine coolers while I'm walking around this place with loud noises and screaming children. He wants to try to win a fish from one of the booths. Kate decides to let him try, and while he pops four balloons, it's not enough. The tears start, and Kate debates between teaching him the life lesson of you can't always get what you want, (laughs) or winning him the fish. She goes with the latter. Yes, after... Yeah. (laughs) Especially as the booth worker is beginning to piss her off. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. Doubting she can do it, asking if she just wants to buy it or is her husband around. Oh. Again, this would be great on screen as Kate hits all 15 balloons, 14 in rapid succession. And just seeing his face as she does it. Uh Uh-huh. By the time she's done and Timmy has his fish, Allie has found David and they're shooting ducks together at a booth. Allie is just over the moon to be with her dad. They don't see Mindy, though, and decide she must be with friends, Allie having peeled off to be with David. Kate's getting a bit emotional watching them, but does manage to muse to Laura why Allie was so okay being grounded, at least until the carnival. Well, Mindy is spending spring break with her dad. Maybe Allie just figured it was a good week to stay home. Study demons. Yeah, but what about the cheerleaders? They're not doing anything? Oh, Laura thought Kate knew. Allie quit cheerleading. Mindy told her a few days ago. What? Kate wants to pursue that, but Allie and David arrive then, and after a moment of discussion and a reminder for both Allie and David to play it cool, (laughs) David and Kate go to Kate's car to get the zombie. And yes, David knew it had to be a zombie, as she almost had the word out on the phone before she remembered Mindy. <laughs> Allie heads off to find friends. Laura agrees to stay with Timmy, and Kate and Eric head off. Kate mentions how happy Allie seems, and Eric says he's happy too. Has she given any more thought to a weekend? No, she hasn't. And before he says anything, she's trying to think of something. But until they do think of something, she doesn't want anything said to Allie. She's just been busy, you know, with the whole Abaddon thing, which she hasn't told Allie about, FYI. Because while Allie can handle a lot of things, she doesn't want her to know that the casual danger her mom is in every day as a demon hunter has turned into extreme danger due to a 20 year old target on her back (laughs) because demons hold a grudge because demons hold a grudge he asks if laura is looking into that and she says yes but not to sidetrack her they were talking about Allie. she wants an agreement from him to let her figure this out he asks if he has a choice and honestly no he doesn't because unfortunately what the world sees is david Allie's chemistry teacher and it sucks this whole thing sucks it does 
Eric asks if Kate's mad at him, and she says no, but yes, but no. <laughs> She's mad at the situation, because while she wants him there, never wants to be without him, things were easier before. Mm-hmm. And if they had just let him go, they'd be easier again. And it doesn't mean she wants that, but he understands. He offers to move again, and Kate says no, no, that's not what she wants, which is good, because that's not what he wants either. But if it would be easier, well, of course it would be easier. But after losing him once, she's not losing him again. And if that means she has to fight the temptation to act on the feelings she has for him every day, then that's what she's going to do because she can't cross that line. Eric then says not to expect him to make the same promise because he's not as strong as Kate and never has been. And I just want them to be together so badly. I know. I know. But but I don't want Stuart to get hurt. That's the worst part about this. This series better end in a throuple. (laughs) Or like, and the only thing that like, and and I don't want it to happen, but like the only thing that will remedy this is if something bad happens to Stuart. And I or don't to Eric again. Or to Eric again. And I don't want anything bad to happen to to either of them. See, I and I know I voiced this like either last book or the book before that I am very afraid something's going to happen to Eric mm-hmm. as we get farther on in the series, especially because of what we're starting to find out about Eric. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that that also, but at the same time, nothing can happen to Eric because of what we find out in this book. Mm-hmm. Yep. So maybe it has, so I'm saying it just, it's got to end in a throuple. That's the only way. That's the only way. It's got it. They all, they, Eric and Stuart better get cool with each other because. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's the only way this ends without me like burning everything to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like give Kate everything that she wants. Kate tries to recover from that statement as they say they should probably move the body. (laughs) Yeah. Did we forget that there is a zombie in a Rubbermaid container? Eric grabs the container from the car and tells Kate to walk with him, that he promises to be on his best behavior. They begin talking about Allie again, and Eric asks if Kate has taken her patrolling. No, she hasn't, and she won't. That's just, that's not happening. Not right now. Eric says she's ready, and Kate keeps putting her foot down. She said no. She's sorry. She just, she needs more training. Eric goes quiet and Kate says he's mad. No, he's not mad. He's preoccupied with Allie, with whoever is watching them. (laughs) So he's felt it too. Yeah. Kate wonders if they're watching to see if the sword is hidden anywhere. Too bad it's not. A sword that can strike down (laughs) demons would be pretty handy. So would Cardinal Fire. What? Cardinal Fire. What they had in the chamber that night? It seemed pretty handy. Yeah, but there were risks. Risks Eric didn't know about then. Risks Eric isn't sure would be worth it again. (laughs) Back then, they survived for the same reason the demon wanted to sacrifice Kate. Purity. They they don't have that anymore. Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, yeah. Still, (laughs) why here? That's what Kate can't figure out. If a badin is so afraid Kate is going to kill him with the sword, why not just avoid her? Avoid San Diablo. Go terrorize some other part of the world. Why send minions to draw her attention? As much fun as being the center of attention is, there has to be something else going on. Something he needs to take her out for. So if they can figure out what that is, hey, look, they got a plan. (laughs) Eric says he's missed working with her like this. And she says, likewise. Then they begin reminiscing a bit as they walk back to the carnival about the first night they went out and left Allie with the sitter about taking Allie to a carnival. It's a dangerous trip down memory lane, made all the more dangerous by the suggestion they go through the fun house together. (laughs) Get rid of his last eight tickets. I love and hate 
everything about uh, the funhouse scene. I know. I know. Ugh. Kate treating it like a training exercise, Eric teasing her, the two getting close, the temptation, the near kiss, and then Kate just running off. Wh- I know. Where are my six seasons in a movie? I just... I know. I, I need this. It's... It, it like... And the thing is, it's like when you get some, when you get a couple who knew each other and the way that they functioned like these two did, it just, it's so good. It's so good. Needing time to calm down from all that, she gets a soda and runs into a fortune teller who tells her she can tell her fortune. Yeah, Kate doubts that. And the fortune teller mm-hmm. seems impressed by her honesty. Beckons her inside, says she can see Kate is troubled by the darkness. The door she opened. Kate wants to know if this woman is the one who has been watching her. Is going to ask about it when she hears her name. Stuart is there. Stuart! Stuart! <laughs> Doing publicity photos! Oh, of course. But what is Kate doing there? Oh, she came with Laura and Timmy and here comes Allie, who is supposed to be home, grounded, carrying a bear with David, who quickly disappears into the crowd. (laughs) I love how fast he like just melts. It's kind of like the uh, Homer Simpson melting into the bushes. Yes, he's just like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) Nope, nope, I am out. Just fuck. (laughs) Kate, you made your life so much more difficult. It's a bit tense that night in the Connor home. Mm-hmm. Stuart has barely looked at Kate since they arrived home. And Allie, Allie is the quietest she's ever been around her stepfather. Even as they play hi-ho cherry-o with Timmy. Timmy, <laughs> who is desperate to win and so keeps trying to cheat. <laughs> of course. So Allie and Kate make him put the extra cherries back. He still wins, <laughs> though, which leads to him marching around banging on a cookie sheet. <laughs> Timmy is just the MVP of this book. He, like, Timmy, without even knowing it, without even doing it on purpose, he just shifts the mood so much. I'm going to need this, like, book series to keep going so we can see teenage Timmy, because I just feel like teenage Timmy is going to have, like, all the boyfriends or girlfriends. Oh, my God. Everyone is going to be in love with teenage Timmy. We will talk about, I I will talk about Timmy off, off camera with you later. Okay. Uh, marching around banging on a cookie sheet to the point Allie has to offer him candy to get him to stop. <laughs> he runs to show Stuart and finally things seem to settle back into normal. Allie even apologizing to Stuart for earlier. Stuart forgives her, chalking it up to teenage foolishness and parental overreacting mm-hmm. and says she's ungrounded. After checking with Kate, who, yeah, is more than okay with it, he then offers to go bathe Timmy and Allie follows. And Kate... Kate just needs a minute to breathe because maybe everything will be okay. Uh, you're, no, mm, speaking a little too soon. A few minutes later, she heads upstairs to the bathroom to find Stuart drying off Timmy. He sends Timmy to get a pull-up and Kate is near tears and says he's just a really good dad. Yes. That makes her cry. She feels everything is making her cry today. Let me tell you, there are moments where I see Mr. Frog with... <laughs> the baby frog and it really does make you <laughs> like when you get when, when i mean we, we give we we give straight men so much shit you know. <laughs> but when you get a good one it's just it makes it makes all the difference and when you see when you see a man who is not afraid to show emotion and show being a good dad like like they snuggle on the sofa and i just get overwhelmed with emotion i'm talking about it and i'm getting overwhelmed with emotion i don't have children i have a dog i get i sometimes cry over how much i love my dog you know what you know what yeah 
No, that's that's a very that's very valid. Tiba is he's my precious baby. He is. He oh, I love Tiba. I like, and that's it. Like I like. It's also yeah with the dog too. Like my dog will be just laying there, and I'll just be like, "Isn't this the cutest thing? She's so cute." And she'll just look at me like, "You're crazy, lady." <laughs> Stuart just wants to know if their marriage is in trouble. What? No, of course not. Good. Why would he? He doesn't want to talk anymore about it. Doesn't need her to say any more than that. Just knowing they're okay and she loves him, it's enough. The next morning, Kate is up early and freaking out about the dinner party before she remembers that it's the <laughs> next day and she has a whole 24 hours to freak out about it. Yes. Yeah, that's that's one of those things where you just sit up in bed like, holy shit. What she needs to freak out about now is the horde of people coming over. Oh, God. That would, yeah, that's that scares me more than uh-huh. the dinner party. So she watches Stuart's interview, the whole reason and she was up early and then gets set to cleaning. <laughs> Allie comes down, actually helps, and Kate goes to get Timmy. Life is looking pretty good, so of course disaster soon strikes <laughs> with the person playing the Easter Bunny canceling. Now she needs a new bunny and all of the places basically tell her, is she crazy? Yeah. <laughs> While she tries to figure out what the fuck she's going to do about that, she talks to Allie <laughs> asking about her reason for quitting cheerleading and asking what she's going to do with her duty-free, non-grounded day. <laughs> Turns out the reason she quit cheerleading is it didn't really seem all that important anymore. Aww. You know, now that she knows about demons and stuff. It's a very Buffy answer. It is. It is. Yeah. Like you try to be normal as much as possible, but then you realize that all the stuff that's normal, it just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, which is also kind of sad, you know, when you lose that part of your teenage innocence. Yeah. I do love her answer. And I love Allie. She's just, she's such a good kid. Yeah. And I mean, I love, like, I love how when she first finds out, you know, she's gung-ho to get in the field and she wants to do this and she wants to kick ass. And then she realizes just how little she doesn't know. Yeah. And how much learning she has to do before she can reach the point where Kate is. Yep. Kate tells her not everything has to be important. And yeah, Kate wasn't raised that way, but she wants Allie to have that option to be normal if she wants. Allie, though, doesn't seem to want to be normal. As for what she's going to do, Mindy's in LA with her dad, which Allie wants to know if that's her future, shuffling between her parents. She knows it's not the same. They're not divorced and they definitely don't hate each other. (laughs) I mean, Allie can see they still love one another, but they're also not together. Kate knows it's complicated and promises a solution soon, but no, it won't be like with Mindy. And Cutters is closed, so no sparring. And with people coming over, Crossbow is out. So how about some research? She can look up the Sword of Heaven thing. Kate is pretty sure Eric was how she found out about the Sword of Heaven. And oh, is he in trouble? But sure. Yes. Allie can look that up. Yeah, Eric Eric is in so much trouble in this book. I feel very bad because I love Eric. But oh, Eric. I know. I know. I love love Eric. I love him. But who? Yeah. Oh, he's going to. Yeah. He's in so much trouble. Allie asks why her mother didn't tell her, and she says she didn't want her to worry. Allie says she does that anyway. Kate continues to work on her bunny problems, still finding no solution. (laughs) Though someone does offer her a chicken costume. (laughs) Chicken. It works, right? Wrong. She calls Laura, and Laura says the answer to her problems is Stuart. Stuart's Mm -hmm. going to find her an Easter bunny? No, Stuart is going to be the Easter bunny. (laughs) But how? 
Just leave that to her. Oh, I love Laura. Kid hangs up and goes to play with Timmy, only for Laura to arrive three hours later with a partially finished bunny costume. (laughs) Seems she is the master of last minute costuming, having had plenty of practice with Mindy changing her mind the night before trick or treat. Mm -hmm. Laura gets her to try it on so she can at least gauge the shape. And I know I probably should not enjoy how much Kate dislikes a small child. Yeah. (laughs) But I really do enjoy how much Kate dislikes a small child. Yes. I oh oh yeah like this well and as I'm like as I'm at this part I'm like I know there are small children that have been around Owen that I just dislike as much as Kate dislikes this child and also we dislike the mom oh we hate the mom yeah so that's like because of the mom is why you dislike the small child as much as you do well we also dislike the small child because of the boobier incident but yes yes but mom is the way is the reason why this child is the way she is. This is true. Yeah. Because the next thing we know, the moms descend upon the house. Marissa and her daughter Danielle. Ugh. Ugh. Fran and her daughter Elena. Betsy, and then a few others we haven't met before. Eddie escapes all this by hiding in his room, and after a bit of chit-chat and a lot of snottiness from Marissa about how Danielle is just so above Timmy and the others. Oh, fucking Marissa. Laura goes into drill sergeant mode and gets everyone organized into three stations. Eggs, baskets, cookies. The older lady from down the street even comes to play with the kids and keep them entertained. That is, until she tires out and needs to head home. Or says she's heading home? She ends up upstairs later apparently looking for the bathroom Eddie offers to walk her home and Kate returns to the moms Allie now in charge of the kids one of the moms asks about the self-defense class Kate was thinking of starting and she says she's not sure would anyone even be interested all the moms including Marissa say yes It does make Kate wonder. The rest of Monday is fairly relaxing. There's movies. Allie makes popcorn. It's nice. A little empty due to Stuart's trip, but Mm -hmm. nice. Of course, Kate pays for that on Tuesday when she realized she hasn't done any of the shopping for the dinner party. So it's off to the store with Allie and Timmy in tow. I would do exactly what what she did for this dinner party. Oh, yeah. I absolutely would, too. Like, I like cooking, but like a lot. No, no. Like, you know, you know, I do love, you know, entertaining my friends and having people over but especially when you're entertaining these types of people i would do exactly what she did yep, i'd be heading to ours is our fancy fancy stars either Wegmans or balducci's so yeah oh yeah I'd, we be, have, I'd be yeah. heading right there to the prepared food counter exactly yep everything seems fine aside from Stuart's flight being canceled and his needing to find another one until kate goes to get something and hears timmy scream apparently wanda the nice lady from the previous day is there only now she's not so nice she's a demon and she wants the sword. Kate can hand it over or she can kill Kate's kids. Poor Timmy. Just the tears down his face. I know. And the fact that and the fact that this is somebody that he knows. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for him. I know. Poor baby. As Kate can't really take her out in the middle of the grocery store, she lies and says the sword is in the car, tosses the keys and tells her to take them. When she goes to get the keys, Allie pushes Timmy towards Kate and kicks Wanda away. They then throw a vodka bottle to scare her off. As the store employee comes (laughs) over, Allie spins a story about her brother almost being kidnapped. 
They pay and head home, more than a little shaken. For this is the first time Allie has seen a person she knew in life turned into mm-hmm. a demon. And someone's so nice as Wanda. Like it like she mentions when Wanda shows up to the house about just how good she is with the kids and how she takes over playing with them. And you know, she's a very yeah. grandmotherly. And yeah, and Allie figure. when she's like having this problem mentions that she and Mindy used to go play at Wanda's house. Yeah. They figure after leaving Kate's yesterday, she must have died naturally, allowing the demon to sneak in. And oh my God, that's so sad. I know. It, like, it's so sad that she, you know, like she was just at the house. Yeah, she's at the house playing with the kids. She starts to feel tired. So she says she's yeah. going to go home and she ends up passing away. Yeah, like just suddenly like that. That's even, yeah, that's even more sad that she was just at the house and then something happened to her. Like she was sick and didn't realize it. Yeah. That's so sad. Then a demon enters and she comes back to Kate's looking for the sword, not the bathroom. I do like that image of her, like Kate going upstairs. Yeah, and she's just trying all the different doors. And like seeing like Wanda. (laughs) They get home and find Eddie isn't there. Eddie who walked Mrs. Abernathy home last night. Maybe he stayed at Tammy's. He did say he was going to the library after, but no. Tammy says he missed their date. Now Allie is worried. What if he's, nope. Nope. They're not going to say it until they exhaust all other options. Thankfully, nope. they find him alive, but tied up in the crawl space <laughs> of Wanda's garage. Allie and Kate say they were so worried, but not Eddie. Aww. He knew they'd find him. Aw, I love Eddie. Turns out he also overheard some pretty good intel. Turns out demons are out of bodies. Wanda was the last. They take her out and the demons are SOL, out of corporeal assistance for whatever it is they want to do. As it turns out, Eric took out the demon that got Kate at the mansion. Eddie is chomping at the bit to find out exactly what that is, but Kate thinks, given his just kidnapped status, mm-hmm. he should rest for a bit. Nah, he's good to go. I love it. I, <laughs> I just love Eddie. Like most people would be like, you know what? I need a nap. I was in this crawl space for 24 hours. Yeah, he's just like, nah, I'm good. He's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, but what if it's just a half hour? Fine, a half hour, no more. Then he's off to the library to look at the rare books collection Eric amassed when working there. They head home and find Wanda in the foyer. Crossbow aimed at Kate. (sighs) Eddie takes Allie and rolls. Kate throws Timmy to the ground and the struggle begins. But Kate doesn't need to worry about taking Wanda out because Eddie is on it. (laughs) So pissed about being kidnapped. Seriously. <laughs> he slams one of the arrows into her eye and she's out. Though it never says what they do with the body. I flipped through this chapter three times <laughs> and nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I... There's no I, mention I... of stashing the body somewhere and taking it later. There's no mention of like David coming to get the body. So much happens in this book. Yeah, so much happens. But no, it's never said what they do with this body that's in Kate's foyer. Of somebody that they know. Like, I know David comes over in a little bit and they clean up, but the body is never mentioned. Yeah, I guess we can just assume that... Just assume he took it with him. He took it with him. Yeah, that's what we're going to have to do. Demon dead, Kate worries about getting dinner heated up. Allie thinks since the food sat in the car, Kate is going to poison everyone. (laughs) Kate says Allie is being ridiculous, but still checks with both the internet and Laura. Both sources say Kate is fine. Laura offers to come over, but Kate says, nah, she's got a date with the doctor. Allie reappears in the kitchen, mocking her mother for actually looking up if the food was spoiled. (laughs) And says Kate has an email from Father Corletti. He's sending her a book and a translation as he thinks her Acadian is rusty. Thanks, Father. 
Yeah. Kate recognizes the symbol on the book and says the fortune teller at the carnival was wearing the exact same one, that she needs to get over there and talk to her. Allie wants to go, but Kate says no, especially not so soon after a double attack. Eddie, wanting to help, offers to take Allie with him to the library. Allie at first is resistant. She doesn't want to research. She wants to fight. Mm -hmm. And she bets her dad would let her. But Eddie reminds her a good hunter needs to be prepared. And Kate agrees. So she's a hunter? No, not yet. (laughs) But as much as Kate hates to admit it, she might just be on her way. They leave, Allie's backpack loaded up with goodies, and Kate having given her orders to not leave Eddie's side. She's back to worrying about dinner when David calls, wanting to make sure everything is all right. She fills him in, double-checking that she is not an awful mother for letting Allie go (laughs) off so soon after the attacks. But in the middle of the conversation, David is attacked. Oh, of course. Kate immediately grabs Timmy and heads for his place, mentally yelling <laughs> that she's coming, which just makes me think of Mrs. Doubtfire in the is on the way. Yeah. Is on the way. <laughs> or she would be headed for his place, if not for the zombie at her front door. <laughs> This is the worst time ever. She tells Timmy to run and takes down the zombie, yelling at him about how she does not have time for this. (laughs) And he is keeping her from her husband. (laughs) First husband, but still. (laughs) I I just love the image of Kate just hacking off the limbs like, you are keeping me from Eric. Yeah, I know. Like, this, again, this book is so full of so many good, good moments. Like, her just, this is the easiest fight that she has ever had <laughs> because she's pissed off. She's trying to go help Eric. She had Timmy. She she just, she just needs to get out some of this frustration. <laughs> Zombie hacked apart and shoved in the oven. <laughs> Kate grabs Timmy and runs off to David's. So this af- isn't going to come back and haunt you. No. <laughs> so afraid she's going to find him dead, that she's going to lose him again. But he's okay. He's okay. And he stumbles down to her, telling her he almost killed him. He wanted to kill him. That That's good. They're supposed to kill demons. No, not a demon. A human. Could he have been a pet? They head for the carnival to talk to the fortune teller. No, it wasn't a pet. Then why? Why would a human attack him? They reach the carnival and head for the fortune teller's tent. She beckons them in and tells Kate she doesn't know about the sword, but she knows Eric, who Dakar is now holding a knife to. (laughs) For Eric Crow has blackness in his soul. It clings to him like the night. Kate, not too keen on that. It goes for the old woman, grabbing her and telling Dakar to let Eric go or the old lady dies. The woman is prepared to die if need be, but Dakar is not so sure and hesitates enough for Eric to get free. Now there's a bit of a standoff. Poor Timmy just witnessing all of this. Timmy, Timmy's going to be in so much therapy when he's like 30 and remembers all of this. Yeah, yeah. No, unless he ends up getting in on the game. He probably will. He's Timmy. I think Timmy would make a fine demon hunter. Yeah, yeah. The old woman says if David leaves, they'll talk. Kate says Eric isn't going anywhere. They tell Kate that they are like her, hunters, and that they offer assistance to those who need it, like her. They helped her at the restaurant, and they are the ones that stole the demon body. (laughs) For the woman is psychic and can read the essence of the spirit that once inhabited good or bad. At first, they tell Kate things she already knows. A bad end, the sword, which they really don't know about. The symbol, it turns out, they just chose for the aesthetic. (laughs) I love that idea. Nope, we just like the way it looks. Of course, we we learn later that's a lie. But I do like that answer. Yeah, and also, like, when when you think about that, they're working for a carnival. Yeah. So like, you know, they they want to make it look like the whole 
the whole look of her tent to to draw in people to make money off of them. Then they talk more about the prophecy. Not clearly, but vague, talking about hollowed eaves and sanctified blood. They leave and head back to the house as Kate needs David to take care of the zombies stuffed in her oven. <laughs> On the way back, Kate expresses her fear that she did something. Then when she raised Eric, she brought him back wrong and that this is all her fault. Oh, poor Kate. He assures her it's not, telling her to pull the car over so he can hold her, comfort her. Once again, I love and hate <sighs> everything about this scene. Damn you, Julie. Oh, I know. Julie, we love you, but we hate you. <laughs> they get close, almost too close. And then he pulls away, saying her new life needs her and they need to go. Aww. At the house, they arrive the same time as Allie and Eddie, who found nothing. Nothing. Kate is flipping out because the house is a mess and Allie comments she sometimes overreacts, which Eric knows. <laughs> Allie is just thrilled to see her dad and he slips up and asks if she wants to go home with him for a bit. Avoid the dinner party. Cue death glare from Kate. Ugh. But what can she say? They take no. it back and Allie will be horrid. First, though, everyone has to help her clean. Yes. And they do. Except for Eddie. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, this, except for Eddie. <laughs> Except for Eddie. I, I, like, I could see Eddie being like, but I spent all night in a crawl space, you know, before he was fine. But now it's like, oh, no, I am old. I old on my back for being in that tight position. I just, I can't. I must go watch TV. I am. I am old and feeble. At least they all survived the afternoon. Yeah. Even if Kate is still a bit annoyed at Eric. An annoyance that causes her to throw foil across the kitchen and almost hit Stuart in the head. <laughs> Stuart, who is home early and entering the house all silently. Ugh. She thought he wasn't supposed to land for another half hour. He says he moved heaven and earth to get to her. He even brought her a present, a new necklace. One meant to symbolize unity, togetherness. <sighs> Stuart's really laid it on thick here. Stop being so Sweet, Stuart. Everything's set up. Kate goes to get ready and tries to call Eric to check in, but there's no answer. The dinner party is a rousing success, even though a zombie hand comes <laughs> across the floor in the middle of it. I, I love this. I love this scene and I love her excuse for it. Thankfully, they convince everyone it's a Halloween prototype. After dinner, Kate tries Eric again and still nothing. <laughs> Though she does find a newspaper article in Allie's room about a recent car crash and a person who miraculously walked away. She'd like to think they didn't, but she knows deep down they did. So she heads out, telling Stuart she's at Laura's, telling Laura not to call her house, <laughs> and she goes to find them. Feeling like a teenager. <laughs> Receiving a call from Allie on the way. They're at the carnival and she needs to hurry. Arriving at the carnival, Kate finds David, Allie, and Dakar in the fortune teller's tent. Fortune teller is dead, as is the demon, and Dakar is holding a gun to David's head. He calls him a vile creature, and David says something about how he should have killed Dakar the first time. <laughs> Kate manages to get the gun and get them out of there before David can really kill Dakar. Allie says they figured out where the demon would be, and her dad killed it, and Kate is kind of like, that's nice. None of you were supposed <sighs> to be here. <laughs> you are making my life a living hell right now, people. Because she's pissed at Allie, but more so at Eric. He lied mm -hmm. to her, had Allie lie to her, and he put Allie in danger not to mention the whole temper thing is wigging kate out yep on the way home she tells Allie she's grounded this time for, for real. real the next morning kate goes to see laura and tells her everything and i mean everything right <laughs> down to having raised eric from the dead using the lazarus bones laura gets it and really doesn't blame kate but she thinks kate might feel better if she talked to someone like maybe a priest like maybe <laughs> father ben so she goes to see father ben and she too tells him everything worried about her soul about Eric's 
everything. What if the fortune teller is right? Father Ben doesn't think she is. He knows David, Eric, and he knows Kate. Eric is a good man, and Kate, for all she's done to strike down Satan's forces, well, he is sure she gets a pass. I like that. But he does think counseling, not as an elementatore, but as a priest, might do her and Eric some good. What? (laughs) Marriage counseling? No, no, she's... She's just sure she's overreacting. Before she leaves, Father Ben asks if he could share all this with Father Corletti, see if he might have more light to shed on it. She tells him yes, of course, and heads out. So when I was reading this, I was trying to remember, did we ever see them tell Father Ben that David was Eric? Um, they, at the beginning of the book, they allude to him. Oh, that's right, because he debriefs everyone. Yeah, so yeah. They, so, at- they, so they went through the whole, like, his soul ended up in David, but they just didn't tell about the Lazarus boat. Yes, yes. That's so right. yeah, That's right, okay. Yeah, yeah so at the, be- at the beginning, and that's why... That's why he was going, you know, he was away for a couple yeah, months. He went to yeah, Rome so like, to tell everyone. That's right. Yeah, Father so Ben would have been part of that. Yeah, so they did, they did all of that off screen between the last book. Okay, and this that book. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They just, they just didn't tell anybody about the Lazarus. <laughs> yeah, books. that's right. Only to find out she's being watched by Dakar, who, surprise, has the sword. Oh. And gives it to her, saying she, <laughs> as the hunter who shall nurture the next generation, is the one who can wield it. And who, surprise, says it's not a bad and they are fighting, but Goramesh. Oh, Goramesh again. Oh, but I like the fact that she has several demons that have grudges I'm with her. I'm pretty sure every demon has a grudge with her. At some point, they will. The next generation of hunter. So it looks like Allie really is destined to follow in her footsteps. Or Timmy, Maura supplies helpfully. Oh, great. Now she's going to lose both kids. (laughs) She hasn't lost Allie. She just needs to go talk to her. Which she does, but not before talking to Father Corletti, who says Father Ben called him and why did Kate not say anything? She admits she was ashamed, afraid of what she had done. And he tells her that her reason for raising Eric was the same for his coming back to her love and that love is power but that because she used the lazarus bones there is something she must know they are now connected by their souls if eric dies so does she (sighs) well then well kate so now we know that like something bad is probably not gonna happen to eric unless there's a way to sever that connection exactly like kate's life just got even more complicated because now that ex-husband that you love so much your souls are now entwined and connected by this mystical thing that you did yes oh boy kate kate needs a vacation she's gonna get one but i don't think it's gonna be much of a vacation no 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 i mean she's gonna go to rome but (sighs) poor kate (sighs) On that note, she finally heads to Allie's room, the two making up as Kate shows her the sword. Allie doesn't think it looks like a lot, and Kate says, honestly, most mystical things don't. Yeah. Yes. Leaving Allie, she heads downstairs and calls David, fills him in, and he agrees to do some more research. Would he like some overnight help? Sure, but he's pretty sure Stuart will have questions about her being with another man. <laughs> Not her. Allie. He's quiet and Kate asks again, yes, yes, he would love to have Allie. She drops Allie off saying she's at Mindy's and Kate spends the night snuggled with Stuart and Timmy. The next day, David asks to keep her till dinner and she says, okay, as she and Laura have a ton to do to get ready for the party. Stuart eventually comes home from the office. Laura leaves and Stuart asks if Kate is going to get dressed. For what? Church. But it's Wednesday. No, it's Thursday. (laughs) Thursday? 
fuck. Holy Thursday, <laughs> the night before the crucifixion. And oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. She's going to go. Oh, fuck. I got to go. She rushes out calling David and telling him she's on the way to put Allie in a taxi. She'll be there soon. Whatever is happening, it's happening tonight. Oh, it's happening. Racing towards David, she gets there about the same time the taxi does. The taxi is supposed to be taking Allie home or to oh, Laura's. No. So she can, I don't know. Either way. Either way. Oh, Allie's no. She's not supposed to be there. So much happening. So much is about to happen. Oh, God. It's all going down. But as Kate is witnessing, they're touching goodbye. So is Stuart. Oh, my God. Who followed her and is very oh. much misinterpreting this scene. Damn it, I mean, I understand. Yes. Damn it, Stuart. Yes. Stuart, we get it. We we understand, but fuck. Kate hurries to intervene, telling Stuart it is very much not that. Oh, no, no. And that she'll explain later the sun is almost down. She's leaving with David? Yes. Yes, she is. And she promises, promises she will explain, just please take Allie home. They leave and speed towards the cathedral, as in the shadow of our Lord has to allude to that. But where near the cathedral, demons can't set foot on holy ground. Also, on the way there, they figure out that Goramesh and Abaddon have teamed up. That whatever this ritual is will merge them. So, yeah, they need to stop it. No, there's too much happening. Kate figures out they'll be at the playground. It's not on church property, so it's off hallowed ground. And the dig revealed animal bones, which could have been past sacrifices. They hurry over and find Father Ben nailed to the structure, crucifix style. No, Ben. (sighs) Though Kate fights to get Father Ben down there too late. And he has time to deliver just one final message before he dies. A warning. If the two demons join, they become invincible. She must not let that happen. Father Ben. His life leads his body, and Kate begins to cry. Morning, right as Stuart, Allie, and Timmy burst onto the scene. <gasps> and right as Abaddon and Gorbash burst forth from the ground. Of course. Kate yells at Stuart to leave, yells at Allie to get them out of there. She will not let Stuart or Timmy or any of them die. <sighs> Allie tugs them away and Kate and Eric spring into battle, but it's not enough. The sword doesn't work on Goramesh and he and Abaddon join, rising into the night, a new, more powerful <sighs> demon. There's also a good deal of the two demons ta- taunting them, talking about Cammy oh. and the fire. Oh, fuck them. Demons are assholes. Uh, they are. They're such jerks. Eric promises to take care of Ben's body and sends Kate home to Stuart. It's time. Oh, it is time. You should have see this. This is <sighs> if you would have if you would have told Stuart sooner, he wouldn't have found out in the worst way possible. And Kate tells Stuart everything, which it's a little hard to take, but he believes her, believes all she says about demons and zombies and growing up in the church, and believes her when she says she and David never did anything, that she loves him. So is that love worth fighting for? He tells her yes. But it is a lie! And not it, Stuart! Oh, fuck. Like, he, he made her seem like... It was okay. It was going to be okay. And I can't blame him for... No, I under I understand his reasoning. I do. Because yes. it's about Timmy and protecting Timmy. Because yes. the next morning, he takes Timmy and he leaves. He leaves yes. saying Kate can't protect him. And that if he thought he'd win, he'd take Allie too. And I'm both like, I understand this. He like loves Allie like his own daughter. Timmy is his son. He wants to yes. protect them both. But I'm also like, Stuart, you bastard. I know. Like, you made her feel like everything was going to be okay. And then you woke up the next morning. And I know you thought about it a little bit. And then you're like, nah, see you later. I get it. I get it. I do. But fuck you. Fuck you, Stuart. 
It puts Kate in a major funk until Allie raises her saying she needs to get up. She is a demon hunter and there is work to be done. This reminds me a lot of Impractical Magic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, like you got to get up, brush your teeth (laughs) and take care of your daughters. You got shit to do. Maybe the sword didn't work because they needed to merge first. And if he was invincible, why did he leave? No, there must be something that can still kill them. So Kate gets up and David comes over and they talk and oh, Eric, Eric is good and sneaky. Oh, fuck. He moves in and kisses Kate because while he is sorry, she is going through all this. And while he is sorry, Timmy's not there. Stuart walked out on her. He learned who she was and he left. That is so manipulative you know what though i can't blame him for saying it i really I can't. can't i'm like I can't. i'm so conflicted about this whole situation because i'm like yeah you know what eric's got a point he found out the truth and he left but also that's a lot to take and their toddler was almost killed like three times yeah so, yeah like it, it's one of those things where it's like fuck both of them yes like fuck all the men in her life pretty for much being yeah, like except Father Ben, poor dead Father Ben. He was the only pure yes, one. He was literally and figuratively, and like, but yeah, like fuck Eric for taking this moment where she is torn up and using it to his advantage. Yeah, like, it, it, like you get you get everybody's perspective and why they do what they do at this point. Yeah, and fuck them all. Oh. Oh, and speaking of... And Timmy, Timmy is the other pure, yes. pure male. Well, there are three, because speaking of the... Le- well, four, because we're not mad at yes. Eddie. But speaking we're of the last one we're not mad at, Father Corletti calls. Yes, yes. The Lazarus bones have been stolen. Of fucking course they have. So what does that mean? Mostly, they're fucked. They are fucked. So fucked. Goramesh is going to try again and raise his army of the dead. And if he got to the bones in the first place, well, there is some shady shit going on in Forza. Remember what we talked remember what we talked about earlier about bodies being returned to their previous states? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and things being connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They need to do more research and beef up their patrols because something is nagging at Kate. Why here? What about San Diablo keeps them coming back? Hmm. Kate patrols that night with Eric and Allie. They find nothing. And being there with them, it's breaking Kate's heart because she loves Eric and she loves that they're getting to be a family. But they're not a family. Not anymore. Nope. God help her. She misses Timmy and Stuart and her life. The next day proves to be a bit more fruitful as she sees Timmy and Stuart at the party. Stuart on Easter Bunny duty as promised. They talk, catch up. And while Stuart doesn't say he's ready to come home, he does seem happy to be there and to see Kate. I'm glad he still did that. Yeah. Like no matter how mad he was about the situation, he still showed up. Did what he prompt. Yeah, he showed up and promised did what he promised to do. He tells her they learned a bit more about the mansion, that it turns out the weird black magic dealing Great Water actually lived there and designed bits of the house, like the balcony and the spiral staircase leading to the cemetery. Maybe. He's not sure. Kate is, though. That's Mm -hmm. where the demon is headed. A house built and designed by a black magic user with great access to the cemetery. Hmm. That sounds like the perfect place to raise the dead. But when? She and Eric do some research in the archives, but they don't find much, except Kate still knows that Eric is hiding something, something big, something he still doesn't want to tell her. Going over Greatwater's notes, they find something in so-called Father Corletti, who tells them dark magic is always strongest the dawn before a holy day. So, you know, now, Easter. Yeah, yeah. 
one of the holiest of the days. They race to the mansion and yep, it's a yep. palooza. Of course. Calling for backup, they head into the fray. I love the part where they just mow over a line of demons with the car. I know. I know. Like And they join again, the fight. Is- and it's just oh, oh, the part where they raise Eric's body. I know. I just oh, oh that part killed me. It's it. Like, cause you cause you know, we we established in the last book. You know, in the shadow of the grave and, yeah. and everything. So, like, you had that coming back to that and coming back to Eric's grave and them using his body. And Kate having to stab that body. Like, Kate having to, like, yes, it's not him in his body, but this is the body of the man that she loved. Yes, yeah. his soul is over there but this is his body this is the man that she knew and loved and grew up with and fought next to and she has to strike it down it just it killed me it it just the the the, using the bodies of people they know it just oh i know like it goes back to the thing with cammy in the first in like the second chapter where it's just yeah that's just so painful you know and and you know and ali said you know with with wanda like this is the first time that she's seen somebody that she knew being used. So there's just something that there's something that is just so vile about them using somebody, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's awful that they use these bodies of like people they don't know, but it's too close to home. Oh yeah. And it's supposed to be, it's supposed to fuck them up. Yeah. But who else should come along and join the fight? But Eddie and Stuart. And Stuart. Armed with the trusty super soakers. And I, I love that the super soakers keep coming back. Yeah, like I love the fact that they bought the super soakers around Christmas. And then they just keep using it for holy water. It's such a great way of doing it. Somewhere in the battle, Kate adds it all up. What happened in the chamber all those years ago with the fire, Eric's secretness, the cryptic messages. She is not the one of the prophecy. He is. Mm -hmm. And she tosses him the sword as she goes to help Stuart. See, David has started a new generation, not of demon hunters, but of demonic hunters. Mm -hmm. For he has demon blood inside him, and most likely so does Allie. He impales Gordon, as Allie has been calling him. Gordon, yeah. (laughs) And the army goes poof, thanks to that handy Lazarus Bones clause of one dies, they all die. die. Kate thanks Stuart for the assist, and he says anytime, though he knows what he wants is his reward, her. Because he's going to fight for her, and he's not going to lose. And that is where we end this book. And that's the end. And that's the end of the book. What a fucking wild ride. This this book was the biggest roller coaster of emotions so far you think this one was the biggest yeah so far i yeah i mean it's i know i know i haven't read the other books but i can imagine it's not going to get easier because now we've got to deal with this whole why is there demon blood in eric and exactly pass it down to Allie. and what does this mean and oh i know we've got like stuff coming i know and like i said now i'm excited because you haven't read i know i haven't so it'll be it'll be all new so it's just gonna be you and me and (laughs) going along on this roller coaster i know it's it's gonna be a ride and i love the fact that Stuart is like you know what i am gonna fight for you yes i like that he had time to think about it and he's like no you know what that's my wife and i love her and i can just yeah hand me one of those super soakers let's go I know. Yes. Like I, this is, this is her life. I love her. I love my, you know, I love my stepdaughter and I am not going to give this up. No. So I can't wait to see where he ends up. 
And that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we will take on season two, episode 12, Bad Eggs. Ooh. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.